Good morning. It's so good to see your faces in person. <laughs> this is awesome. Um, I'm going to try not to cry here. Uh, but we're in Colossians. We're in Colossians, and we're continuing on in Colossians. And we started a series, and we're going verse by verse, but it's a series because the first two chapters of Colossians are all about Christ, and then the next chapters are all about character. And so really we're digging into who Christ is, what he's done, just really digging. It's kind of, it's really theological. So as I was working through these notes and stuff, I called a couple of pastor friends. I'm like, hey, man. I was like, guys, um, this is super deep. And we're having family style. Like we're talking about Greek and the, the original language and stuff like that. They're just, just press through, just press through. So, um, uh, so it's a good, it's a good message because it's all about Jesus. And last week we saw Christ is the savior. And this week, we're going to talk about Christ as the creator. So we're looking at Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 17. And so who in here, adults or kids, who in here likes to draw? Raise your hand. Do anyone like to draw? Okay. All right. Awesome. Who like, uh, a few people. Who likes to make up songs on an instrument or write poems? Does anyone? Okay. All right. Um, who here likes to build stuff or put things together? Okay, or even take things apart. Some people just like taking things apart just to put together. Um, I have a lot of artistic people in my family, too. And uh, my mom was a graphic designer, and my sister is a graphic designer, wonderful artist. My other sister worked at a major editing company. Uh, my dad was super good at painting and drawing. He had this uh, painting of Laurel and Hardy. It was so amazing. Uh, but he became a banker because he had to provide for his family. Um, I love playing music. I like writing. And we're all, in one way or another, we are all created people. Who create. And as we are children of God, we know from the word of God that the Lord is the creator. In Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God is the creator of the universe, the world, humans, animals, water, sky, stars. He's the creator of your favorite animal, your favorite ocean, your favorite type of tree. Uh, he's the creator of the sky that you find beautiful, the sunrise, the sunsets. He's our creator. God is amazing. And the Bible never tries to prove God is the creator. It just states how and what God created. And so the reason we, why we like to create things, whether it's building stuff or drawing pictures or making up creative games, it's because God created us in his image. So he is the creator, and therefore he created us to be creative. When Genesis says God in Genesis 1.1, it's the ancient Hebrew word Elohim. Can you guys say that a lot? Elohim. 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 Yeah, good. I was not the best at Hebrew language in seminary. I actually did not like it at all. I didn't tell my teacher that. But it's not an easy language to speak. But Elohim is a plural word used as if it were singular. One rabbi described Elohim as having three degrees, each degree by itself alone, yet they are all one. And so the Trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's not, uh, so kids, answer me this math problem, okay? What's one plus one plus one? Okay, good, that was quick. Yeah, one plus one plus one is three. That's not the Trinity. And let me just tell you, preface this beforehand, that no matter what like, sort of illustrations you give to describe the Trinity, they all fall flat and they all fail because the Trinity is so like, mind-blowing. Uh, but it's not one plus one plus one equals three. It's, it's as if it's one times one times one equals what? One, right. There are three distinct numbers, yet they all equal one. The Godhead is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, they're all God and distinct, but they are one. And even later in Genesis, in the creation story, we find Elohim saying, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are distinct, yet one. 
And all three were in existence before creation of the heavens and the earth. So how can we fully understand this? Like, I want to fully understand this 100%. And I hate to break it to you, but we can't fully understand this this side of heaven. Not 100%. It's like when our friend uh, Sarah was going to medical school. She was studying to get a, take her MCAT. Uh, she's a doctor now in Bakersfield. And when, when we were helping her study, it was like a foreign language. Like, I didn't, even, I didn't know how to pronounce these words. But she knew exactly what they meant. She knew the definition. She knew what they meant. She knew how to, you know, do... Uh, it was crazy, but... We helped her study. We didn't understand it. We didn't understand even the definitions. But I knew I'd never understand these words because I wasn't interested in becoming a doctor. See, God knows everything, and he understands it all. But we have limits on what we know. We have limits on what we know. And that's okay. Because we must remember and realize that God is an infinite being, and we are finite. Right? Meaning God is our creator. He knows everything. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere. Right? There are things we will not fully understand about the Lord here on this earth, but we shouldn't use that as an excuse to not follow God either. Well, I don't understand this about God, so I'm not following him. If we understood everything about God, we would be God. We would be a God. And we're not, obviously. The divine, the divide between the infinite and the finite, or the natural and the supernatural, is too great to be bridged fully by man. And that's the question, like, are we okay with God knowing it all and us not knowing it all? You know, now, now don't get me wrong, we know a lot about the Lord. We know a lot about God and the truth, and we can spiritually grow like crazy as we dig into his word. That's why we do this. It's amazing. And we go deeper and deeper as we dig for the treasure that's in the Bible. And we get to know God's heart more and more. So yes, we get to know God and draw near to him as he draws nearest to us. But we're always going to be growing. We'll never get to a place where we know as much as God because we are not God. God knows everything, even what we think about, what we're about to do, and what we're about to say. Like, like God, you know, God knew I would raise my hand right now. Like, if you ever think of that, like, you just, God knew I was going to raise my hand right now and repeat that sentence again. Like, God knew you were going to wear that shirt today. God, God knew we would meet today, and he knows what we're thinking about right now. God knew I was going to eat a bunch of chocolate last night. God knew what I, he knows what I'm going to do later today. He knows what we think because he created our minds. God knows when something is medically wrong with us because he created our bodies. God knows what we fear because he created our personalities and he knows what scares us, what our tendencies are. And he also knows how to comfort us in our turmoil. God knows all about you, and that's a good thing because God is love. He knows everything because he is God. He's infinite and all-knowing. And we often want to know everything that's going to happen next. Is anyone like that? I want to know everything that's going to happen today. Just like my daughters, especially our oldest daughter, Hannah. She wants to know everything, right? Hannah and Lily, they want to know the whole day. Okay, what are we going to do this? What are we going to do after that? What are we going to do after that? And then we go to bed. Okay. They want to know it all, right? And sometimes, you know, my wife and I are like, we don't know. <laughs> We're just going to kind of play it by ear. And that kind of drives us crazy sometimes, especially if you're a planner. Like, I want to know everything. We don't know. We're just going to play by ear and stay flexible. We're in the same way as we follow God. We must remain flexible for what the future holds because God has our future in his hands. He knows what he's doing. We're never going to know all that God knows because he is God and we are not. Yet we seek him and he reveals truth to us, enough truth for us to get out and change the world. Turn the world upside down as it was described as the disciples. They turn the world upside down in the book of Acts. God wants to use our lives to tell people about his heart and his desires 
And the Lord wants everyone to walk with him. John 1.1 actually says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who is the Word? In the original language translated for Word is Messiah, Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. Jesus was with God. Jesus was God. It's amazing. So let's pray, and then we're going to get into a few verses this morning. Well, Heavenly Father, again, we just thank you for your word. We just thank you, God, that your presence is here with us, Lord. We just thank you that we can learn from you and not know about you, Lord, but know you. God, not have a cold, distant relationship with you, Lord, but be close and draw near to you, God. We pray that you would teach us this morning from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're talking about Jesus because Paul is writing about Jesus, and the points for today are, and they're going to be brief points, we're going to make this, uh, this sermon a little bit shorter because it is family style, so. but the points are Jesus, and they're very deep. Jesus existed before creation. Jesus created all things. All things exist for Jesus, and Jesus holds all things together. So let's read verse 15 to 17, and we'll go back and talk about these. Colossians 1.15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. So remember, the false teachers in Colossae, they were leading people astray. They were very much confused about creation. They were telling lies that sounded good. And sometimes lies sound good. But that doesn't mean that we give into them or buy into them. So creation is everything that exists around us. And the false teachers actually taught that matter was evil, including the human body. They taught that Jesus did not have a real body, since this would have put him in contact with evil matter. There were some super negative and harmful results from these specific fall teachings. A couple of them were extreme asceticism and unbridled sin. This means that if you believe your body is sinful, then you must either enslave it or enjoy it. Extreme asceticism means if your body is sinful, you must enslave it. There have been groups who seriously harm their own bodies because they think they are so sinful, they need to be punished. They need to punish themselves physically. This is totally unbiblical and completely, it's, it's never good. It's never a good reason to harm your own body. Then the, another result from their teaching is unbridled sin, which means your body is sinful, you might as well enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like, there are groups who believe there's nothing wrong with just enjoying yourself carnally because your body is evil anyway, so what difference does it make? Do whatever you want to do. So Paul really explains this fourfold relationship of Jesus and creation. So first he writes, Jesus existed before creation. And the, first, uh, the term firstborn in this verse doesn't refer to time, it refers to status. Jesus Christ was not the first being created since he himself is the creator of all things. Firstborn means of first importance or rank. Like when you're in school, there is a teacher who's of first rank, right? They are in charge. They lead the class and everyone listens to the teacher. Or if you're homeschooler, one of the parents is the teacher and they're of first rank. Now you may have to remind your kids over and over that you're in charge, but you are in charge. Or at work, we have a boss, right? And they are the one who makes the decisions. They make the last call. They, who, they are who you answer to. Solomon was named the firstborn of David's sons. Even though he wasn't physically the firstborn, he was just the chosen one according to status and rank. Firstborn over every creature means prior to all creation. 
Jesus isn't a, creator, a created being. He's eternally God. He always existed. And to make this fact crystal clear, Paul uses the word image. In the original Greek, the word image means an exact representation and revelation. It's like if a person made a statue of you, they want the statue to look just like you, right? The statue's perfect representation of what you look like. In a similar way, Jesus is the walking, talking, breathing person who is the exact representation of God in heaven. He walked the earth, he's the exact representation of God. In Hebrews, the writer says that Jesus is the express image of his person, talking about God. Jesus said in 14.9, he who sees me has seen the Father. So if someone wants to know what God is like, you can tell them, well, look to Jesus. Look at what Jesus did. Look at what he said. Look how he reacted. Look at his heart. Go through the Gospels. Go through Acts. So, you know, God is invisible in his essence, but Jesus Christ has revealed him to us. John 1.18. We know God's heart because we walk with Jesus as we live this life. See, nature cannot reveal the essence of God to us, but nature can reveal God's existence, God's power, and God's wisdom. It's only through Christ that God is revealed perfectly to humanity. So Jesus is, existed before creation, number one. Number two, Jesus created all things. In the second part of verse 16, since Christ created all things, he himself is uncreated. Again, he's firstborn of all because he created all things. And, and this is why the winds, remember in the Gospels, the winds and the waves obeyed Jesus when he was out on the water and disease and death fled from him. This is why Jesus had control. He had control over nature. Imagine a storm started, you know, and someone put their hand up and it just stopped. You're like, you'd be shocked. You'd be mind blown. That'd be shocking. That's what Jesus did. He has control over creation. He is master over all, the Bible says. And again, chapter one is all about the preeminence of Christ. John 1, 3 says that all things were made by him. So this includes all things on heaven and all things visible and invisible. All things are under his control. Like a captain of a ship, he is leading the crew of the ship, and he knows where the people need to go. He is steering and navigating. This is Jesus in our lives. He is to steer and navigate the course of our lives because he is God in the flesh, and he knows where we need to go and what we need to do. So Jesus existed before creation. Jesus created all things. Number three, all things exist for Jesus. Everything exists in him, for him, and through him. And so Jesus is the sphere in which they exist, agent through which they come into being, and the one whom they are made for. Paul actually refuted the false teachers by, by using these three prepositions. The Greek philosophers for centuries believed that everything needed a primary cause, an instrumental cause, and a final cause. When it comes to creation, Jesus, number one, is the primary cause, which, mean he, which means he planned it. He planned it. Do you plan things? Those who plan to fail, how does that go? Tell me, someone. Those who plan to fail, or those who fail to plan? Plan to fail. Thank you. Yes. We should plan things, right? We should plan things, but also stay flexible to unexpected changes. But Jesus planned creation's order. He's the primary cause. Number two, he's the instrumental cause, which means he produced it. So as humans who have the divine capacity to create, we, we, can, pro we can produce art and music and structures and, and all different things. Jesus produced what we see in creation. He produced it. And he's also the final cause. He did it for his own pleasure. So the Lord Jesus created the universe and the world because he wanted to for his own pleasure. He was motivated by love to create you. 
That's why you're not here haphazardly. You're not here by chance. You actually have a purpose. God created you because he loves you. And he wants to, you to walk with him and, and draw close to him. He was motivated by love. If everything in creation exists for Jesus, then nothing can be evil in itself except for Satan and his fallen angels. And even then, God uses them for his will. So the false teachers' regulations about God's creation are, are foolish, like Paul writes about in Colossians 2.20. So what this means is that God's creation, even though it's under the bondage of sin, can be used to glorify God and can be enjoyed by his children. Don't you love just gazing at creation? Like whether it's a beautiful day at the beach or, and the sound of the waves, the wind, the soft sand. I mean, who loves going to the beach and going swimming? Anyone love going to the beach? Yeah, children too? Okay, good, awesome. Yeah, I mean, or it's a great day just relaxing. Maybe you're by a pool. I don't know, looking at the clouds. Um, when we go outside to the ocean or the woods or the pool, we, just, we look up at the beautiful sky and we're reminded that the Lord Jesus created that. We get to enjoy it. Now, here in Mobile, Alabama, it's almost like the sky, it's like, oops, it's natural. It's like the, the colors and stuff, it's beautiful. Now, back on the West Coast, it was like, there's a lot of smog, because that sky is beautiful. It's a little bit different. That's man-made, but this is real. Um, but Psalm 19.1 tells us, Psalm 19.1 tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God. It's amazing. So Jesus existed before creation. Jesus created all things. All things exist, uh, exist for Jesus. And lastly, number four, Jesus holds all things together. And then verse 17. So this is another affirmation that Jesus is God, he's deity, because only God can hold all things together. As people, sometimes we break things apart. You know, I remember when I was a younger kid, my friend was holding my BB gun, my little Red Ryder BB gun, and uh, he didn't know it was loaded, and he was pointing it at the screen door, the glass, or the glass door in the, in the, to the back balcony of our apartment, and, and he just pulled the trigger, and it, was like, it just shattered, you know? I was like, oh my goodness, I thought for sure I'd get grounded. My mom had grace on me, but this, he broke that thing apart. One small BB, he broke that thing apart. I mean, kids, have you ever broken your toys and you were crushed? I mean, right? Or adults, you ever try to do something and it's like, oops, I, I, I tried to fix it, but I actually broke it. Um, so as we look at the fact that Jesus is the creator, it's, it's, it really is profound. And we realize in this section the importance and the preeminence of Jesus. He's, I mean, he's preeminent. If you look at Hebrews, a lot of the time people see that. I mean, you read that, and the writer basically wrote that Jesus is better. That can, it can be encapsulated in those, that one short sentence. Jesus is better. He's better than the angels, the created beings. He's, like, he's preeminent. He's not just a good moral teacher. He wasn't just like a sage. He wasn't just someone who we, you know, even going through college, you know, my professors are like, yeah, he's one of the sages, um, whatever, on to the next one. Uh-uh, he's more than that. He's our savior. He's not just a sage. He's our savior. He's a creator. He existed before creation. Jesus created all things. All things exist for Jesus. He holds all things together. How amazing is that? How can we not respond to him in worship? How can we not praise him? Like, I wonder, like, when people look at the ocean or the sky or the beautiful creation, they go, oh, man, the Big Bang is amazing. Let's worship that. Like, I just don't, even almost 80% of scientists don't believe in that because nothing good can come from uh, something destructive. An explosion never produced anything in, of order. But that's a whole different story, and that's a different sermon. But he is our Savior. He is our Creator. And next Sunday, we're going to see that Jesus is the head of the church. He's in charge. He leads the ship that is the body of believers. That is the church. He is so good. So let's pray, you guys, and we'll sing one more worship song. Um, let's all stand up, if you don't mind, and uh, we'll pray, and then we'll, 
Respond to the Lord. Well, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for worship. We thank you just for seeing one another. Man, it's so, it's so fulfilling just to fellowship, Lord. Uh, we just pray that you would strengthen us, that you would speak to our hearts continually this week. God, that you give us wisdom. Lord, if there's anyone struggling, if there's anyone backsliding, if there's anyone questioning, Lord, we just pray that you'd speak to their heart, that you'd break through the hard heart, Lord, and that you would just create a heart of flesh, Lord, that you would radically work. You love us. You want to use us in this life in mighty ways. Lord, we know that, Lord, but help us to believe that and to walk in that. You're so good. It's all about you. This life is all about you, Jesus. We want to live for what matters, and you are who matters. So we thank you for this time. Again, strengthen us, uplift us, encourage us. We love when you praise you. In Jesus' name, we all said amen.